Yeah, I just started crying when you were saying that, by the way, because it's reading off there. You know, I want to give back as much as I can while I have the time. You know, experiencing this firsthand is, is a very humbling process, and I have no right to be feeling sorry for these people. These people that I, I knew have so much pride and so much dignity, and they don't want handouts and they don't want anything free. They want opportunity, they want jobs, they want to go back home. and. We will do everything that we can to, to make that possible and to make that process a bit easier. What's going on everyone? It's Ramblings of a Seek. First of all, welcome to the new visitors who are here thanks to a quirk in the YouTube algorithm. And welcome back to all of those who have been supporting the channel for some time. Today, we're going to find out all about the founder of the washing machine project, the inventions that they create that amongst other things are helping to provide freedom to women across the global south and the work that they're doing across the world in over a dozen countries. A quick request before we get into it, please make sure to like, comment and subscribe. I've been told that if you do all three, you'll get extra prashad when you go to the Gurdwara. Let me know if that works for you in the comments below. Today, I have the absolute pleasure to talk to Novjot Sony, the founder of the Washing Machine Project. Before we get into it, I just have to say thank you so much for joining us. And then secondly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Anna. really appreciate it. And I love your work and I'm so, so proud to be on this podcast. Thank you. I do really appreciate the support. I think we've both now been following one another for some time. Now, before we find out more about the washing machine project and the inventions and the work that you do, I want to find out more about its founder, you. I guess in a nutshell, who is Navdot Sony? Yeah, well, I was uh, I was born in London in the in, in the 90s. My father was caught up in the partition, and lost everything, uh, like many other uh, Punjabi families, and. The, the, the idea of displacement was kind of ingrained into me from a very, very young age. There'd be conversations when I was very young about how they'd have to leave, leave everything behind. If my granddad had a bullet like, past his head and decided to pack up everything and, and leave. And that really affected my family and the, the so, social construct of my father's family. And my grandfather never really recovered. And my father's traumas were still with him right until he, he passed away. And so displacement's always been at the heart of certainly my existence. My mother came to the UK to marry my father. She had five pounds in her pocket and she's a, a lady of you know force for good and so inspirational. Uh, and my father you know died when I was very young. I was seven years old and, and I was born and brought up with two sisters and then my mother who brought me up. And I knew firsthand the importance of women in the household and how powerful women are to just get, get stuff done, you know. And engineering was always something that was bubbling away when I was a kid. My father was an aerospace engineer. I'd be a very curious child, I'd be taken to air shows and would be fascinated with how these big aircrafts would be in the sky and come back home and I'd take out the toolbox from the cupboard and I'd break everything. They used to really make my mum quite angry and, you know, studying aerospace engineering was a really natural transition at university. So, so I, I, I did that and, you know, you know in, in our community, uh, SEVA and selfless services is just second nature, right? We just do it. I was a part of scouting uh, here in, in Southall and uh, the scouts really taught me that giving back is 
is the only way forward because we're in quite a, quite a bit of a bubble. Self-service is, is the only purpose in life. And so these kind of key kind of themes in my life led me to to, to graduating and then I joined one of the world's best graduate programs, a global technology company. And I, I felt like I hit cloud nine. You know? and, uh, I was there for three and a half years. I was, man, I, I loved it so much. I was literally felt like I was the don of the of the whole company. I was the only sing at the time. And I thought I was just, I, I want to stay here forever. You know, all the bacon's racking food forever. You know? And like three years in, I, I realized that every bit of good engineering that I'm doing is making a vacuum cleaner for a rich middle-class person around the world. And I decided to, to quit my job and go on sabbatical. And that really pissed my mom off. I was just about to ask, what did your pet, like, what did your mom say when it came to quitting this essentially perfect job to then go and volunteer halfway across the world? Yeah, I think at the time I was not happy. You know, I was... I was working really long hours, you know, 60 hours a week sometimes for this organization where, you know, my values didn't sit right. Uh, and uh, it took a lot of persuading. At the time, I wanted to move to South India to make cook stoves for a year and a half. And when I told my told my mom about that, it was like a, an atom bomb went off in my house. And, <laughs> Yeah, it was really tough conversations. Uh, at the time, I really wanted to come back and go to the same company. So I begged them. I really, I was like, please let me back in. Um, but they, they didn't. And they didn't have that sabbatical policy. And so I, re I just had to quit my job. And so it was a very nervous time. And I went to South India. I was making these cook stoves at the time. So a large part of the world, 50% of the world's population are, aren't lucky as you and I. You know, they have to forage for wood to cook their food. And it's disproportionate case when women who go into the forest and subject them, are subjected to gender-based violence and, you know, time away from livelihood opportunity. And it's just really, really tough for these, for these women that have to do this every day. And we're making these fuel-efficient, smokeless chulas in, in South India. And the experience is just fascinating. You know, I... I I would have a uh, have an idea. We would have an idea. We prototype on Tuesday, Wednesday would have that prototype in the field, and then by Thursday would get feedback straight away from the uh, the auntie who's using now. Uh, so you know, uh, my rookie's not puffing enough, or my rookie too small, and you know that kind of living lab we called it. And by Friday we'd have another prototype, and we'd, have, we'd make thousands of these prototypes. We distributes thousands of these, and we made a, a, a ten-pound cook stove. Reduced the, the cook stove's emissions by by ninety percent, and fuel by fifty percent. Really, very rewarding stuff. And um, I, I knew that at that point that this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And uh, you know, the washing machine project started there. I'm sure we can talk about it a bit later. When you say that. Um... Uh, you're making these cook stove in South India and you're like you're reducing like emissions by 90% or you're like the, the fuel efficiency by 50% like how are you obviously I don't want you to give your secrets away but like how are you achieving these results yeah I think um, to solve any problem you have to be really really passionate about the, the problem itself one of my mentors said you know fall in love with the, the problem because the solution will, ever, will always change it was the case with 
with cook stoves and, and smoke emissions and really inefficient, you know. So we did a lot of research. I had a team around me and I was working with an organization called Brackley who were really set up in the environment. And uh, we would go to these villages and interview people on the current cooking habits and trying to solve some of these key problems, uh, whether it's you know access to woods or charcoal or gun, the cataracts or the breathing problems that they that they face when breathing in smoke. And then there's you know you apply these kind of scientific principles to various hardware products and and then you just have to test and, and you fail so much. And you know I've I've told you all about the successes, but you know you you fail all the time and you just have to get used to failure because that's the part of, that's the part of the development cycle of making anything. So from these gas cooking stoves then how did the idea of the actual washing machine come about yeah so i am um, i was in, living in this very uh, rural village it's called kulapalem about three hours south of chennai on the coast beautiful sunrises and uh the village i was staying in uh was just a million miles away from where i grew up in london it was 40 degree heat continuous blackouts, you know, every day with no electricity, so no fans, no air conditioning, no refrigeration, uh, you know, all these kinds of things that have grown up to, to, to be accustomed with, you know, right there, you know, the luxuries of, of life. And, you know, there would be open defecation, open sewers, I'd get ill every month. And I really kind of immersed myself in this village. I became very good friends with my next door neighbor. Her name is Divya. She was a 30-something stay-at-home mum and she got married at the age of 16 because that was a thing to do. She had two kids and she spoke perfect English and she was the only lady on the street that spoke perfect English. My Tamil was rubbish so we became best friends. She learned this English in high school but never used it since so she used me as a guinea pig to test her English and um, you know, we'd catch up on the day's activities uh, when I get back from work. And, and um, you know, Divya's life was just an everyday struggle. From the moment that she woke up to the moment that she slept, she'd have to forage for wood to cook her food. She would have to stand in line for water. She would have to hand wash her clothes. You know, everything that I took for granted, Divya had to spend hours and hours extra on this kind of unpaid labor trap that disproportionate place on women is 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 wide reaching. You know, who who washes your clothes, who books your doctor's appointment, who who makes your food? It's it's women in your life and it's really unfair. And and I saw that firsthand for people living in developing countries and and I wanted to target that for my friend and and uh, that's that's where the promise for making Divya a manual washing machine came from, her eyes lit up. And, uh, you know, we've never looked back since from that, that promise in, in 2018, that was four years ago. Our mission is really, really simple. You know, we're creating manual crank handle washing machines that save time, water and effort for a 70% of the world's population who have no access to electric washing machines. So from that promise then, like how did that develop into the first prototype? Yeah, well, you know, 
I was I was destined to come back home, so I needed to come back to the UK anyway. So I, I came back in, in 2018, uh, armed with this promise. I started the washing machine project, and I knew I couldn't do this alone. It's just too big of a problem, and I wasn't an expert in humanitarian. I I didn't know anything about the UN system or Oxfam, or international, or how agencies fund projects and how they distribute machines in, in, in places around the world. So I, I really needed to learn that. So I um, I took up a master's at University of Bath in humanitarianism. So I did that uh, for two years. It was a kind of long distance master's uh, part-time. And my course was amazing. I was the only engineer. And it, it really uh, makes me so angry that we have so many good engineers making really trivial products, but it's uh, a more efficient car or a more efficient vacuum cleaner, where Zdivya and Kalsek, the, the, the Syrian uh, mother in the Lebanese refugee camp that I met last week, there's 10 kids uh, and has been there for nine years. You know, these basic uh, products are, are not reaching them. So um, I was the only engineer on, the, on this humanitarianism course. And a lot of the people were, you know, really senior in these really big charities, you know, decision makers in, in government and, and you know, there's not one engineer at the table in, you know, advising people on, you know, what people really need. And so I was really, you know, at the right place at the right time. Um, I, I was talking about the idea of this manual washing machine that I wanted to create. And uh, one of my peers on the course was uh, quite senior in Iraq in a, in a, in a charity there. And uh, he invited me and uh, my colleague Alex um, to Iraq for a five-day field visit. Uh, but at the time, we didn't have a prototype, so we got really we got really worried that we wouldn't have anything to show. And so I remember Alex uh, put together this this really rough and ready prototype in two days over, over the weekend, and we flew on the Monday, and, um, and we took this bag, we took our washing machine with our clothes inside it on the flight. It looked like a bomb and uh, it looked really dodgy. And we took took these prototypes to to this refugee camp in Iraq where we interviewed 79 families. And that was the first kind of penny drop moment where the people loved it and people wanted a uh, a an alternative to hand washing clothes. You know, before that I there were there were times where we'd have brainstorming sessions in my mum's house in the kitchen and we kind of went back to basics of what works well and the salad spinner came up as an idea and that's really stuck to the to the current design uh, and you know i think creating any solution you need to really understand your end user and that's why we've traveled to you know 13 countries now and interviewed 4,000 families on washing habits um so you know how big is your family how long do you wash clothes for you know where do you wash it where do you feel pain if any and you know that's that's how we design our product with the kind of user-centered approach and so you know i know for a fact in uganda where we conducted 900 surveys right now that the average age of a woman washing clothes is about 33 and the average age when they started was six so you know think of how many years They've been spending an hours a day on this one activity, and think of the opportunity lost. Uh, and so, this is the kind of battle that we're facing. 
we named our prototype Divya uh, after the inspiration, and we're now at the Divya 1.5, which is the kind of washer and dryer that you see on, on, on social media. So what technology is incorporated into the washing machine that makes it so user-friendly in terms of being lightweight for the end user? Yeah, I mean, so washing has been around for centuries. So, you know, we're not going to revolutionize how people wash clothes, you know. It's clothes, soap and water. And, you know, how how people are washing their clothes in electric washing machines is really kind of well proved out now, you know, that there's a drum, it's got a certain configuration. Now, we wanted to simplify the process as much as possible and make it robust and reliable so that you know, if it breaks, people can fix it remotely. So essentially what we created was a 5kg front-loaded washing machine, which is similar to, to washing machines at home in the UK. And it uses around 30 litres of water. Um, it has a gear in it that spins at about 500 RPM, um, making it easier to to rotate and it also dries with clothes. So, you know, the, the 30 liters that go in, 70% of those 30 liters come out and so you could use that for water use. And so what that means is you're reducing the the, um, the time by 75% and the water by 50% compared to hand washing clothes. Hand washing clothes is really inefficient with time and really inefficient with, with water. And, you know, with, with improving posture, the um, interaction with detergent and soap, you know, causes skin irritation, and so we're limiting that with, you know, creating an enclosed enclosed washing machine. And so, this is where we are right now. But you know, our dream is you know to have a complete product portfolio of BVL automatics, semi-automatics, manuals, and BVL laundrettes in the future. And and you know, this is this really the, the beginning, and it's just really, really humbling to have so much interest. Uh, you know, we've had requests from 25 countries now, 5,000 washing machines, and you know, I'm, I'm yeah, really, really shocked. Uh, it's just phenomenal. I couldn't have wished for anything better. I certainly find the work that you're doing inspiring, and I'm sure others do too, because the work that you and the Washing Machine Project do is literally life-changing. Now, just coming back to the washing machine for a second, it's this gear then that makes it so user-friendly and lightweight. Now, if for some instance that breaks or something else breaks, how is that repaired or replaced? Yeah, so um, it's really hard to send a service engineer to a refugee camp in, uh, in Lebanon, Iraq. So, I mean, let me take you back to what a refugee camp is, yeah? So this is a space that was a barren land and then overnight, essentially, thousands and thousands of people descend on this place and then make homes out of this area. So they put up tents, caravans, they have bustling informal economies. You can, um, uh, there's barbers, there's supermarkets, there's um, a mechanic, uh, there's a playground. Uh, these are kind of good standard refugee camps. There's obviously some really bad refugee camps out there. And so I think we need to reframe what a refugee camp looks like. You know? So when when something breaks on our machine, uh, we want to make it as reusable and repairable as possible. So like this mouse that I have, I would literally have to break this mouse to, to put it back together again. It's snap fit. 
Um, whereas on our machine, everything is screwed together so it can be removable. All the parts are off the shelf, so you could locally source those parts. And then we train up mechanics to fix them. And then if it's uh, uh, irreparable, we replace it. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. How has it been then working with some of your partners? So I, I noticed that you're working with Oxfam, you're working with electric components. Yeah, I mean, I'm an engineer. And so I have, you know, when I started, I had like no idea how to create a brand, how to create an organization, how to get partners on board, and, you know, how to push something out there. So I had to, to learn this. And, you know, with an incredible team, by the way, the team that I have are just so great at what they do. Uh, and my, my passion is just to make the life better for people who are struggling so much, you know. I just keep telling that story and it's the storytelling piece that engages people, I think. And, you know, I, I say to them, you know, don't forget Vidya, because she's still living that life. Don't forget counseling, don't forget Lamia in Iraq. And they need your help, you know. And I'm just a conduit between the two, uh, and the vehicle of change. And for these amazing corporates like Electric Components, who you know, are funding us for the next three years and uh, and deploying 8,000 washing machines in 10 countries, it's amazing, you know. And, and as corporates, you know, employees want organisations to do more. You know, COVID has 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 shown us that we are mere mortals, you know. And, we are, you know, we're stuck at home, feeling really sorry about ourselves, and we want to help people. And you know, organisations like Washing Machine Project are doing it. And we require support, uh, and it's just natural to to partner up with people that want to make the world a better place. No, no, definitely. I was. Um watching an interview that you've done with uh now this last night in preparation for this just to try and figure out some some interesting questions and you'd commented and to be fair you've actually you, you actually um hinted to it earlier which is um that you're hoping to become a, a global leading organization for humanitarian appliances and as you'd said earlier you kind of want a whole range of washing machines just putting the washing machines to the side though for a second what other problems have you identified that require a solution that you could provide yeah, i mean okay so i was in the, i was on the border of syria and lebanon last week or back on saturday and there's minus seven there's a snowstorm uh completely no power uh, no access to gas uh, so how does how does one cope in a shack with metal walls or a tent in that condition with a family of 12. So as an engineer, when I go to these places, there's problems literally everywhere, uh, whether it's off-the-grid lighting, air conditioning, sanitation, off-the-grid refrigeration, is something that we are looking at right now as our next product. And that should be, you know, we should be talking more about that later on this year, mid, mid this year. I have something a bit more physical to show at the end of this year. And, and, you know, we'll be looking back at this moment and this podcast in 10 years' time and laugh at the time where we just made final washing machines. Instead, of, you know, I want to become the Dyson of the humanitarian world. And and we will not stop until we have, uh, you know, have really high-scale, high-impact uh, right across the world. I'm certainly cheering you on. And I hope that it all works out for you and you do become the Dyson of the humanitarian world. Now, one last question I've got is visiting these refugee camps in war torn areas 
or areas that have been struck by famine or some type of natural disaster must have an impact on you. And secondly, you must visit these places and see a number of problems that you can provide a solution to, but for whatever reason, can't provide it instantly. So how is that all for you? Yeah, I just started crying when you were saying that, by the way, because it's really not fair. This could happen to, to anyone. And we're just so lucky to, to be born and grow up in a very fairly stable country. Uh, you know, I, I really have not had to worry about money I'm so lucky I'm so privileged and you know I want to give back as much as I can while I have the time you know in this space on this on this planet and experiencing this firsthand is, is a very humbling process and I have no right to be feeling sorry for these people these people that I, I need have so much pride and so much dignity and they don't want handouts and they don't want anything free they want opportunity they want jobs they want to go back home they want a safe space to go back to and we will do everything that we can to, to make that possible and to make that process a bit easier whilst they're in the conditions that they are in. And for me, going to these places and, and learning from, from them, you know, understanding their stories and how, how they, how they, you know, how their daily life is, it's just, it brings it back home and, and puts it in perspective for me. I, I remember when I came home from India, I would sit on the floor, I would eat my hands, I would try everything to feel connected. But nothing can make you feel connected without going there and, you know, experiencing what I feel. And I, on the flip side of things, it, you know, I, I really, I really uh, try hard not to virtue signal or say that I'm holier than thou. You know, everyone has their own circumstance. My mom taught me a very kind of interesting lesson. She was like, you know, Nav, uh, no one has changed apart from you. You're you're the one that's experiencing these things, you know? and it's your job to come back and tell people. But don't don't get angry at people for not changing. It's not their fault. Uh, it's your job to persuade them to come along the journey with you and change the world. I thought that was a really beautiful moment as to how to change the to, to the mindset. Yes, you know, there's billions of people struggling, but you know, one washing machine can make. Uh, an impact on, on a family. It would allow Sugama, Vivia's seven-year-old son, the opportunity to go to school because Vivia could go work and pay for his education. And that wash, one washing machine is, is all, all that it takes. That's all that matters. It's amazing. Genuinely, genuinely amazing. I just want to double check. I've gone through the list of questions that I wanted to ask you in terms of kind of getting an idea about the washing machine project, understanding you a little bit more and kind of the impact that all of this has on you. Is there anything in particular that you wanted to go over or mention or include? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, people people often ask, you know, when they see the work that we're doing, or just any other work, and how can we help? We're not doing anything special here, you know? It's, you could, just by knowing about the problem is, is half the battle one. So talk about it, whether that's, talking to your relatives or your friends or your family or work colleagues, sharing it, liking it, commenting on it is really, really important. A quick question then, I guess, which would be useful to ask is where can people find, so where can people find you in terms of socials? Where's the website? Um, if they wanted to donate, how does it work? Yeah, so uh, the, the Washing Machine Project is on uh, on social media, on that on that name. Um, you can find us on the Washing Machine Project uh, on our websites and we have a GoFundMe campaign uh, right now and you can donate what you can to distribute 
to distribute a washing machine, we distribute these washing machines at cost, and 100% of your your donation will go to the development and deployment of, of these machines uh, right across the world. And, you know, give generously, and, and and you know, please please don't forget people like Gitya because they need your support. So for those of you watching who are interested and do want to get involved and help the washing machine project, you can find all the relevant links in the description down below. Now I do have one last question and I promise it is the last one. What are your plans for 2022? We have just finished our pilot in Iraq. This is our third pilot. Um, and over that, over the last six months, we've had so many orders and so much interest. Uh, we're currently making our machines here in the UK and South Wales. This is you know, quite inefficient and we want to try and uh, make them for for people in, in location. So you know they're going to uh, locations like Mexico and India and Uganda right now to to find local manufacturers that can to, to to manufacture these. Uh, you know, avoiding all the kind of logistics associated to to making products here in the UK. Now that's that's really quite challenging. It's going to take six to nine months to do that. That's our that's our main challenge. I mean. You know, facilitating you know the four thousand orders that we're getting right now. So, really buckling down uh, and and ramping up the production of the machines over the next six to nine months this year. And then you know more products will come out over the next couple of years, and then ramping up and scaling up those. So, yeah, it's a it's a huge development cycle associated to going from you know hundreds of washing machines to thousands of washing machines. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, all I can say for that is good luck. I hope everything goes according to plan. Thanks, man. Appreciate this. Nah, nah, not a problem, man. All right, what I'll do then is I will leave you to the rest of your day. I honestly can't say thank you enough for taking the time out to do this. Take care. Take care. Take it easy, man. So you made it to the end of another podcast episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, don't forget to like and comment below what your favorite part was. More importantly, don't forget to support the work The Washing Machine Project are doing. You can find all the relevant links in the description below this video. Otherwise than that, I will see you all in the next one.